What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Demo Tape Podcast, episode number 31. I'm so happy that uh, I've been getting such warm reception to the podcast and what's going on over here. So it just makes me very happy that I'm still here and y'all still rocking with me. We got an excellent show today. I'm going to be talking about power. So if you haven't been up on your power this season, season six, which is the final season, um, you might not want to listen to the first, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes of this. minutes of this because there will be spoilers there will be power spoilers because I try to wait and give people time to catch up on power because I want to talk about it Uh, I can talk about the 10 year anniversary happy birthday 10 year anniversary of Blueprint 3 and Only Built for Cuban Links two of my favorite albums well Only Built for Cuban Links is one of my favorite albums part 2 and part 1 the Blueprint 3 is cool but I'll talk about that later uh Gotta get into, talk a little bit about Jamel Hill. She wrote an article that kind of sent shockwaves through uh, the sports world. She wrote, I don't even know if a shockwave is the right uh, word to say. She kind of just opened up, I guess, she kind of just took a hard stance on a certain perspective, basically saying that black athletes should go to historically black colleges. And, um, you know, it just sparked some discussion. So I'm going to get into that because I attend a historically black college and university. And, you know, some of what she's saying in the article has been stated you know, by a lot of people, so, or as is known by a lot of people, so, you know, I just want, I'll touch on that a little bit later, and then also I want to give my reaction to the NFL season, because, you know, there were some excellent things that happened, and then there was some stuff that, some quarterbacks that played terrible, that I just want to just clown for a little while, but, um, oh yeah, and last but not least, we're going to talk about Antonio Brown, his crazy weekend, Antonio, the, the, the rape allegations, I'm going to give y'all my opinion and my thoughts on that, but just to give you a little sneak peek. Yeah, so before we get started with that, though, you can subscribe to the Demo Tape on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and if you'd rather watch, you know, the video version, if you want to just go ahead and watch the show instead of listen to it, I'm up on YouTube as well. Search uh, Demetrius Collins or Demo Tape Podcast. You can check in with that. And with that, off we go. So yeah, power. Um, season six, episode three is three episodes. So basically, if you don't know and you don't mind spoilers, uh, Tommy killed Angela, and I'm so happy Angela's dead. I'm not gonna lie, because she goes is just he's he's selling everything out. He sold everything out for her. He he's willing to give up everything for her. And I hate that they do that. To a lot of uh, male figures in shows, because let's show scandal is kind of the same way. Like the president of the United States, he has all the power, but this vagina just—he just wants to just give all his power away. And I'm like, dude, I hate seeing that over and over. And that's kind of like what Ghost did with Angela. He's just super duper in love, willing to leave his family, his kids, forget everything he built just to go with her off some on some childhood shit. So excuse the language, shit. Um, so I. I'm happy she's dead for one And I'm happy Tommy did it too Because she needed to go She was a loose end She was a fed And uh, James wasn't even thinking with his mind He was thinking with his You know You know what he was thinking with on that one But that leads me to Another aspect of the show Well well Okay so Tommy killed Angela Hold on let me Before I get ahead of myself Tommy killed Angela So then Ghost tried to kill Tommy But he didn't kill Tommy Because a little white Serbian dude Kind of got Tommy's back on this Kind of sort of And he's, he's playing them both against each other to basically, you know, make money and get his dirty work done. And they know that, but at the end of the day, you know, it is what it is. They're kind of caught up between a rock and a hard place in the game. Uh, what else happened? Tariq, 
He's up in college flipping pills, selling dope with his little crew. He got a white boy that he's selling for him, which is mistake one-on-one from what I understand. You don't hustle with white people, but Tariq, you know, what he going to do? He got his little girl with him, so that's cool. Uh, Tasha, what is it? Tasha, yo, yo, let me say this. James is so incredibly disrespectful of Tasha, man. Like, I get it. You grew up with Angie. She was your first love. But this man is like totally forgetting the fact that he started a family with Tasha. He's like, he makes little, like, little snide comments in during the show. If you've been watching, I know y'all heard it. Where he's, he'll tell her like, you know, the only woman I ever loved just been killed. I'm like, hey, bro, like, you know, you was married to her, right? You know, you got, you know, kids with her. You know, you have a home with her. You know, this is the woman that you married. And so I, I don't like the James character. I'm hoping that he gets killed at the end of the show. I don't think that's going to happen, but I hope that he gets killed. Uh, so, yeah, the disrespect of Tasha is, like, bugging me out from James for real. Uh, Tommy is slipping in the game. God, he's bringing his lady into the drug business. Ah, he must not be hurt. He must have not heard what A-Ball said on the song Pimps. Never let a chick know how you get your cash flow. Don't trust her with none of your dough Because he got her all up in the drug spot The homie's not really feeling it And Keisha's kind of weak Every time you know she do something for him And then if, if somebody knock on the door Or ring the doorbell if she gets Thinking she's going to go for questioning She starts freaking out And I don't know if that's the type of down chick you want Riding with you When you know Moving pills and coke and weed and all this stuff And you got a big time drug operation Because the Rico is a serious charge And I know I'm talking about a show but He's kind of messing. He's kind of fool. He's kind of, kind of, kind of setting himself up for failure by by allowing her to know the ins and outs of his operation. Because, like, like I said before, she's shown that she doesn't always hold it together when she feel when she's under pressure in a situation. So you know what I'm saying? To heat more information, more uh, to incriminate her more, allow her to go deeper into your criminal organization, like her her involvement. Would only lead for the downfall of you if she ever gets caught because she gonna go. She gonna she's gonna go with cash. She's gonna she's gonna defend cash. That's what mothers do. That's what mothers should do. So I don't know what Tommy's doing. The homie's not really feeling it. So I'm interested to see how that's gonna play out. But yeah, man, power overall, man. Season six is awesome compared to Game Game of Thrones last season. This season seems to be setting up for an excellent finish. Now maybe I'm overhyping it. Maybe I'm putting extras on it my own self. But like I said, Game of Thrones. I think the fans we built that up. When if you were following like the trajectory of the show, it clearly wasn't going there. But we built up the hype for the final season, and we were severely let down. Even though I think they tried, they tried. I think with power, they know what they know who their fan base is. They know what we want, and they're giving us what we want bit by bit. So that's really it for uh, my power reviews. I think the season is going is going great. I can't wait for Sunday. I always wake up every Sunday during my day with power. That's the best thing. You know what I'm saying? But uh. Moving on, so 10 year anniversaries of two dope albums just came out. Two albums that are very near and dear to me. Well, I, I don't want to say that. I guess I don't know if I can say that about Blueprint 3. But only built for Cuban Links Part 2, I can say that. Um, but so I'm going to start with the Blueprint 3. So I wasn't always a Jay Z fan. Uh, I remember I used to work at Steak and Shake and there was this dude, I forget his name. But he was always listening to Jay Z. I was a Nas fan. And how that, you know, back in the day, that's how that went. You know, you. Well, that's how it went for me. You couldn't be Jay-Z or Nas 
or you know you had to be one or the other when it came to that beef with Tupac and Biggie I kind of just let bygones be bygones and just was fans of uh, both of them but with Nas and Jay because you know they were still alive and at the time they hadn't squashed the beef yet I was rolling with Nas so I didn't even listen to Jay Z's music like that like for real and then so I so I worked at Stinker Shake which is like my sophomore junior year of high school or whatever and the dude put me on Jay Z he kept playing songs he played uh, feeling it and can I live and he just kept playing me songs and while we was at work. So I was like, yo, man, all right. And that was around the time that American Gangster had come out. So actually, American Gangster was the first album by Jay-Z that I ever listened to all the way through and the first Jay-Z album I ever bought. And so I was bumping that, and I liked that. So fast forward to Blueprint 3. You know, I was in the military at the time, and Blueprint 3 came out. And at the time, I can remember thinking like, yo, Kanye is like, Coming for Jay because I I just thought his verses were so much better. That's that's one of my initial thoughts. Overall, I think the album was was good. Um, it's solid, and that's what you look for when you're trying to have longevity in a music career. So kudos to Jay for making that solid album. Uh, I listened to it over the weekend again, and you know some of it is I would say the album is kind of front loaded because most of the really really good songs are at the, or like during the first half of the album. The album does tend to lag. There are some tracks on there that he could have cut out, I believe. Um, but it's a very good album, and that the, the Blueprint Three is actually one of the reasons why I say Eminem is so overrated. Because even when Jay Z doesn't have a stellar album, he still has an album that you're like, "Yo, the Blueprint Three got hits on it." Um, the intro, I like what we talking about. Thank you is cool. Obviously, uh, run this town. Everybody likes that Empire State of Mind that hit the pop charts or whatever. Uh, Real as it gets with Jeezy. I mean, he's got songs on there. Young J Cole. So I mean, like I said, even when his albums aren't except exceptional, like I would say, like a four four four, a four 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 is really except is 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 really good Jay Z right there. I love that. Um, but it's still solid, and it, and then you can go back later and bump it. Whereas I think a lot of Eminem stuff, man, it's just trash. So, uh, but back to what I was talking about though. On the album though, I felt like there was a, I felt like Kanye was best in him, and then it kind of confirmed. I, I thought I had confirmed my. Uh, suspicions when Watch the Throne had came out like, uh, like a what a year or a year and a half two years later and Kanye was ripping it but then Jay-Z you know he came through in the second half of the album and ended that but the Blueprint 3 you know solid solid very very solid album um, it's just crazy to think that the album's 10 years old man like that's the thing I'm like dang like I was like not even 20 yet <laughs> and when that album came out, I remember, like I said, bumping that joint. And, you know, Jay-Z, you know, Death of Auto-Tune. Yeah. But overall, it's a solid album. But the other album that really is near and dear to me, because I, when I went and bought the Blueprint uh, 3, actually, I went to buy Only Built for Cuban Links, and Blueprint 3 had got released early because Blueprint 3 was supposed to come out September 11th. Well, I think they both were supposed to come out September 11th. And they came out a little bit earlier. So I copped them both at the end. Oh, that's only built for Cuban Links. That's the follow-up to Raekwon's Only Built for Cuban Links. Well, over, only built for Cuban Links Part 2, which came out 10 years ago, which had a birthday this weekend, was is the sequel to Only Built for Cuban Links. So it was like the mafioso uh, coke dealing storytelling rap. And I love it. I love it. I love every every aspect of it. Um, it's it's it would have got production from Scram Jones, RZA, uh, Alchemist, jeez, uh, I don't know. I think Jay Dilla's on there. I think Jay Dilla, he might even have a beat from Jay Dilla on there. You know, they got Jada Kiss, Beanie Siegel. Like, it's got some real heavyweight, like, real rap 
mafioso lyrical raps, man, and, and, and creative artsy stuff too, to be honest with you, because one thing about Raekwon is uh, his his rhyme scheme is very condensed. He says a lot. It sounds like he's not, he's saying, it sounds like, what am I trying to say? It sounds, his his raps don't sound like, his raps sound like he's rapping very abstract, but when you listen to him, he's actually saying a lot in the little bit of verses, how he condenses his verses, if that makes sense. And so, He's telling, like I said, he tells a lot of stories, little vignettes. So if you haven't heard uh, Only Built for Cuban Links, I highly suggest that. That's one of the classics. That's one of the sequels that actually follows up. Because speaking of Blueprint 3, Blueprint 3 and Blueprint 2 are kind of like let down from the Blueprint. The Blueprint kind of broke through the game for Jay and put Jay on the map. Like not only as, what am I trying to say? Like, cause he did the pop thing, he tried to cross over, but he had like an all new sound with the whole thing. He found new producers, he was being progressive with his sound. You know what I'm saying? So that kind of changed the game, not only lyrically, with the beef with Nas and Mob Deep too. So, but Blueprint 3 kind of came through and it had some duds on it. It was little party records and all that. And so, you know, people was, and Blueprint 3 is kind of the same thing. Um, not, 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 not with the party records and stuff, but, you know, it's not as, like, Blueprint 2 only has 13 tracks, I mean, Blueprint only has 13 tracks on it. Not to make, well, well, 15 if you consider the hidden tracks, but 13 listed tracks. Whereas the Blueprint 2 is a double disc and it's hard to pull off a solid double disc. And then Blueprint 3 is so much far removed from Blueprint, the Blueprint in sound, even though there are some Kanye West produced stuff on there. I want to say maybe a, a Just Blaze, maybe Just Blaze got a verse on, maybe a beat on there. I have to go back and look at the credits. But the point I'm trying to make is his sound had progressed, his life had progressed, and rap itself had progressed. Into such a way that you know the, the connection of the albums, like they, to me, there only should have been one blueprint, um, and maybe the four 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 album could be called a blueprint too because I, I like the subject matter on that. I think that's more of a blueprint to follow if you're gonna name your albums the blueprint. So, but but you know, happy birthday to the blueprint three and only built for Cuban links. Two great albums. Like I said, if you haven't heard of only built for Cuban links, the first one, go back and listen to that. Ghost faces, it's like a movie. Ghostfaces, co-stars, everybody on there is co-stars Nas is on the first one But like I said, Beanie Seed was on the second one um, Standout tracks I like uh, Broken Safety, Have Mercy New Woo with, Goat with, uh, with uh, Method Man is hard uh, Bag and Crack uh, What else, man? That album go hard Got Dr. Dre beats on there Got Busta Rhymes verses Yo, man, like I said All good rap isn't mainstream pop rap Some of that underground, independent stuff you know, dudes is really doing their thing. So go go out, go check out Only Built for Cuban Links Part Two. I want to take a pause for a second and I'd like to remind you that if you like to, if you like what you're hearing, you subscribe to the Demo Tape Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, and wherever you get podcasts. If you'd rather watch the show, the show is up available on YouTube. So head on over to uh, Demetrius Collins on YouTube or search Demo Tape in YouTube search. I would like to announce. The opening of the tech, the demo tape text call line. So if you want to comment on something that you hear on the show, or uh, if you have, you know, a question, or if you have something that you want to say to add to the show, or if you have a topic idea, you could call the demo tape vo- voicemail line, or you could text it. The number is 850-270-8269. Uh, the reason for that is I want to create. Uh, I, w- I want to give 
the listeners, my listeners, equity in the show. I want you guys to be able to uh, feel like you have a voice on the show. You can call up and say what you want to say, and your opinion and perspective is going to be respected, even if it's not agreed with. So, yeah, man, tap into me. I want to get to know my listeners. I know who some of my listeners are, but I would like to get to know more of you guys because uh, I want to connect with you on that intimate level. All right? So, yeah, man, the number is 850-270-8269. You can call and, like I said, leave your questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, whatever you want to do. On the demo tape voice my life. So moving on, uh, Jamel Hill wrote an article in the Athletic about. Uh, she said in the headline reads, you know, HBC, a black athlete should go to historically black colleges. And basically, what she did in the article was just lay out um, the history of historically black colleges, which is a lot like the history of America. When you search back in the scrolls, you find out that um, black people were once not allowed to be at dominantly white in places and areas. And that, you know, a lot of our black institutions were thriving when black people patronized them. And once black people, once white people decided, hey, there's uh, some type of value in these black folks besides, you know, their slave labor or their sharecrop labor, which is slave labor. Uh, and they allow, they began to allow us into their predominantly white college institutions, among other places. And so, you know, college athletics was one of them. So a lot of our HBCUs, the talent that you see at Florida State and, you know... Uh, Alabama, all that stuff. They used to be at the college, like a place like the college that I attend. We have Hall of Famers. For those that don't know, um, there are some. Bob Hayes is a Hall of Famer that went to Florida A&M. That's the college I attend down here in Tallahassee. Uh, so, uh, not to mention, uh, in the article, she mentioned a slew of them. Um, Walter Payton went to Jackson State. Jerry Rice went to Mississippi Valley State. And the list goes on of great players that. Uh, back in the 60s and 70s And even partly in the 80s Had to attend uh, Historically black colleges Shannon Sharp is one That may come to mind For those of you that watch Undisputed He attended a historically black college But um, The point Is That With the With the advent And I say advent Of And I mean that purposely Of desegregation It basically uh, Sucked the talent out of the schools And so Her argument is that You know She feels that more black athletes should go to historically black colleges, which I agree with. Uh, I do find that very ironic coming from her. She went to Michigan State. So I think that's interesting that she's encouraging people to do something that she's not doing. Um, that she didn't do, I should say. I'm not trying to diss her. I'm just saying that that that's exactly what it is, you know. But um, she, was, she was spelling out the history, like I said, of, of how much schools earn. You know, all that stuff that we understand, the, the, the college athletes being exploited, the black athlete is being double exploited. We, we understand these things. Um, more so, I guess people were more offended at the idea that she would say that black athletes need to like leave white institutions or something like that. Oh, one, one thing she did say, which I think is very poignant and it stood out to me, was how um, the black percentage of black people at predominantly white institutions is like 2.5% or 2.4% and like half... Half of that is college athletics. So you, you can clearly see when you delve into like the stats and the enrollment numbers and stuff like that, you can clearly see that it's not it's not that black people are allowed at these institutions, aside from maybe those that, you know, test very high or whatever the case may be on their ACT, ACT. But mainly what you see is there's still a plantation-like system, you know what I mean? Because these brothers, it's hard for them to get that education that they want. They're making money hand over fist for these schools. And it's a pipeline to get them to the NFL, get the coaches high jobs. So in a way, these athletes are still capital. And that's kind of what desegregation meant to the black community. For those of you that um, didn't know that, that it just drained the wealth out of what or drained what little wealth we had in our black institutions. 
Um, so, yeah, her article, I mean, yeah, it's cool. That'd be cool. I, I like what Bobani Jones had to say about it. I follow him on Twitter. And he basically was just saying that, you know, even when um, a lot of we, black a lot of the HBCUs had all the talent. They weren't money machine. They weren't money factors, right? Because at the end of the day, uh, white supremacy's number one goal is to keep black people broke. Like I said, um, that really dawned on me when I was reading the Wall Street Journal, and it was basically saying like white people base their economic success on the status of black people, not Hispanic people. Uh, even though Hispanics not a race, but not Hispanic people, not other white people, but black people, and. Not only did I did you know other reading and stuff, historical reading and stuff like that, confirm what I knew about that, but just that in present day time, because that was just a few months ago when I read that. Um, so at the end of the day, the, the name of the game is to keep black people broke, right? Um, and so it didn't matter whether the talent was at HBCUs or not HBCUs. HBCU is still going to struggle monetarily because a lot of its alumni are not going to go off and make a lot of money. And Jamel, Jamel Hill did a great job in her article of pointing out, you know, the wealth, the income um, disparity, the wealth disparity uh, between blacks and white people and stuff like that. But the point is, you know, she feels like more H, more black athletes should go to HBCUs. And the one kid, uh, I forget his name, Kevin Thibault, he did come to FAMU for a visit, but he ultimately went, you know, to a power five school because that's what they're going to do because HBCUs simply do not have the infrastructure that's going to attract these kids when a lot of money and TV deals and stuff like that is luring them in another, another direction. At the end of the day, money talks, everything else walks. People have heard that statement before. And HBCUs do not have a lot of money. They have a lot of culture. Black people have a lot of culture, which is something that was also spoken to in the article. And we, but we haven't found it yet. We haven't found a way yet, or we haven't adapted the thought process yet of monetizing and capitalizing on our own culture. We still feel like we have to, you know, uh, kowtow or uh subordinate ourselves to white authority white creativity or white money and you know whatever so hbcus in my opinion as somebody who attends one it would be nice to have elite college athletes come into play i think that would do uh a wonder for you know the education level in the black community the organization in the black community the overall uh self-esteem in the black community i think that would do a lot simply i know that sounds crazy but like you know black athletes swinging back to hbcus like a zion williamson like imagine if zion williamson went to north carolina central instead of duke what that would what that would do for the kids in not only in that area but nationally the problem is he probably wouldn't be i think he would be but the problem is maybe i don't know you know there's not enough money at North Carolina Central to woo him from Duke. You know what I mean? Duke has Mike Shashevsky, it has the big campus, it has the academic legacy, it has more to offer. And HBCU at the end of the day is just black, right? And and that's the that's the thing that's also frustrating about um, being part of the HBCU family. You understand that you get otherized a lot, and people think that like HBCUs are something different than just a regular college. It's a college like anything else. Um, and a lot of black successful black people have went there. For those that don't know, Oprah Winfrey attended a historically black college, Tennessee State. So I don't know why there's not money being donated back towards HBCUs. I I can't tell you. But um, at the end of the day, uh, I don't think I think while I I think that having the athletes back at those universities would be great for the just a shot in the arm for black people in general. Um, it's probably not going to happen. 
And the only way that it could happen is uh, the alumni are going to have to start, you know, donating back to the school like the, the PWI schools do. But then, like I said, that leads us back to another problem is a lot of black people don't have that disposable income to uh, build the schools up. So at the end of the day, it's all about money. And so Jamel Hill, great article. I thought so. If you don't know a lot of the history on HBCUs, I encourage you to go read it. Uh, and, and, and like who played there and what players came in there, you might be surprised. And uh, because, you know, they're colleges, man. And just because they're historically black doesn't mean they're any different than a Florida State or a Texas A&M. Anyway, moving on. NFL season is back. Week one was interesting. Uh, Mitch Trubisky, I'm just going to get straight to it, is who we thought he was. Is who I thought he was. Anyway, if Mitch Trubisky isn't completing short passes for long gains, uh, he's going to be terrible. And that's pretty much what happened on the opening game in Thursday night. Mr. Trubisky was not Tariq Cohen and his running backs were not able to carry him. His skill position, his skill receivers did not carry him. And that's the thing that irritates me about quarterbacks, right? Let me go on a little rant about quarterbacks. I do not think that you should get paid the most money and get bequeathed the highest salary simply because you play a position. Okay? There are 32 quarterbacks. I get that. But at the end of the day, there aren't 32 top quarterbacks. So you got guys like Mitchell Trubisky who get hyped up for being average and they play like crap on week in week out basis but he'll get to play at least 8 to 10 years before a team gets away from him. <clears throat> Ryan Tannehill James Winston's trash too he threw what 3 interceptions I think this weekend and he just looked bad and they were bad interceptions too they weren't like the one the couple that I seen Baker Mayfield throw and I'll get to Baker Mayfield in a minute they weren't like the couple that I seen Baker Mayfield throw. He threw a couple. He threw a couple of interceptions, but you can see that he was trying to fit a ball to a tight window. But Jameis is like when he's getting sacked and he's on one leg and he's just trying to throw the ball up and he never makes it to where he's trying to throw it. And he's just an awful quarterback. And he's he's been overrated since Florida State. I say that constantly. So if I have any people that went to Florida State that listen or root for Florida State, I'm sorry. But y'all know what I'm talking about because that year that y'all won or lost to Oregon, y'all had to come back from every single team and Jameis was turning the ball over then. Jameis is what he is, man. And he'll be riding some ice pine soon. Um, just the, just the uh, gifts of being able to uh, be a first-round pick. When you're a first-round pick, they're going to let you play for a while, even though Jameis hasn't earned it. Not to mention he's a complete idiot off the field. Cleveland, we ain't got a problem. Everything is the same as it always was. Yo, man, I will say this. Even though I think there's one exception. I mean, Baker Mayfield's a gunslinger. I will say this past Sunday, Baker Mayfield looked very Browns QB1-ish. He looked very Brandon Whedon. He looked very Johnny Menzel. He looked very, uh, who else? Uh, uh, Brady Quinn. He looked very, uh, uh, what's the other dude? That went up there. He used to play for uh, Carolina. Matt Moore, I think, or whoever the other guy was. He looks very, he looks very much like those guys in Week One. Now that might get better because I mean he's got Odell Beckham Jr. He's got Landry. He's got Nick Chubb. He's gonna have Kareem Hunt. He's got Njoku. So they're gonna, I think they're figure, they'll figure it out. It was just Week One, but he did look very QB one ish, and the Browns continued to look like the Browns. Their defense was terrible. The offense was terrible. They got beat by Tennessee forty one three, which I expected. I have the Browns slated to go. 9-7, and I did say they would lose to Tennessee. And so, uh, they did. And by have them beating the Jets on Monday Night Football. And we'll see how that goes. We'll see how their offense looks. My Steelers, let me down. Uh, I, I did say that if we won any game, it would be this game. And we did not win this game. We got smacked. We didn't even show up. Ben Ben 
looked old, and I fell asleep. After like the first drive or two, I knew what it was, man. I was like, look, I know I've seen this movie. I've seen this movie. We can't stop them. We can't stop them. Josh Gordon scoring touchdowns, breaking tackles. I was like, look, man, we're the same old Steelers, man, when it comes to playing the Patriots. I don't know what it is. I don't know what Mike Tomlin doesn't do or doesn't show or does show or doesn't show or isn't prepared for. But every time we face the Patriots, it's just a blowout. Like, it's not even close. We beat them last year in November, which I was very proud of. And that's why I thought we would win this game. But, yeah. So, um, Mike Tomlin, you're on notice, man. You're on notice. I need Give me something to cheer for, man. I'm not going to go too far this week on you. Yo, so, major in the news, moving on to our next topic. Major in the news is Antonio Brown's rape case. He has been accused of sexually assaulting and raping his personal trainer. Her name is Brittany Taylor. Uh, I don't know her ethnicity. Not that it matters to me at this point. The story broke. This is Wednesday at the time of this recording. So it broke late Tuesday night. I think that it's a coincidence that it broke. And let me say this before I get into it. Ladies that may listen to the Demo Tape Podcast. I do not just defend men in positions with money against rape. Excuse me. Simply because they're men and a woman. No. I do believe men rape women. I do believe that men do vile things to women. But I do think, and there is a but, and there the, or there, the, there needs to be an and or something. So don't be thrown off because I said but. There needs to be. A perspective added to that, right? So yes, women do get taken advantage of, but so do men in power. So do men with money. Women scheme. Women are scandalous, and that needs to be. That, and that is the that is the side of that that situation that I hope to uh, speak to here on the Demote Podcast. So, ladies, if you have any issue with anything I have to say, the voicemail line is 850-270-8269. Call up. Tell me how you feel. Text the show. Tell me how you feel. It's 850-270-8269. Because I'm about to go in. Because she's lying. She's lying. Check this out. So this chick, Brittany Taylor, allegedly says she's allegedly raped by and sexually assaulted by Antonio Brown, right? So the moment it came out, because Steelers Depot, I follow Steelers Depot, and they are, you know, tweeting things about Antonio Brown. Why? I'll talk about it a little bit later. We'll just, I'll discuss that a little bit later. But... Um, they tweeted it out, so I'm like, "Whoa, whoa, rape charge, Antonio Brown." I'm like, immediately, I'm like, I'm gonna be honest with you. Immediately, I'm like, "Wow, okay." So Antonio Brown's in the news. Antonio Brown is been talking since March when he did that March audio, that March interview, uh, where he said, you know, he don't need the game if they gonna play, they gonna play by his rules. When he's talking with his chest, he's Mr. Big Chest is what he calls himself. He allegedly forced his way out of Oakland. And so, um, he's kind of pissing off people in power that stand to make or lose a lot of money based on what he does does do or doesn't do. He did the NFL helmet deal by himself outside the 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 uh, interview NFL's purview. So I'm sure you know some white money didn't didn't allow that didn't like that very much. So I think it's very coincidental, or I think that it's a coincidence that. This rape allegation just popped up in the midst of all that Antonio Brown has been through since like November of last year to now. 
So, okay. All right. But you know what, though? It doesn't matter because dudes have men have ego. Men are ego driven. I admit that all men, if you doubt, if you don't think that you're ego driven, you're lying to yourself. We are driven by our ego. And sometimes if your ego is been uh, massaged and catered to like Antonio Brown's has, you may do some, you know, sociopathic or some narcissistic or some very violent sexual assault. So, So I don't put it past and then do it in Antonio Brown's position to do this. So, but for the record, though, I just want to watch and, and look at the details. So I opened up the article, TMZ, which TMZ is very credible. It's crazy, but they are very credible. So I'm reading it. And she's like, okay, Antonio Brown sexually assaulted her over a couple of years, a couple of times. So I'm like, okay, so this goes back years. I'm going to lie. I'm going to be honest with you, ladies and gentlemen, too, for, who are listening. I'm very skeptical of that type of thing. The, the multiple times over multiple years It doesn't endear itself to me believing you I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry That's just a bias that I have for these type of things Because it just simply does not make sense But I didn't base my decision off of that So I'm listening, I'm reading, I'm sorry I'm reading And you know she goes and say Okay the first time she had an encounter with Antonio You know she's just was training him And you know he pulled out his, you know, his penis And he kissed her unexpectedly I'm like, okay, okay, that's very believable because that does happen. That happens. Like dudes do that. Dudes are alone with women and they just pull their penises out and, and you know, um, see what see what see what if the chick is you know ready to do what's right, what what they want. Well, you know, see what's up. Doesn't make it right, but that's what happens. I know that's what happens. I can confirm that's what happens. I've been around a lot of men. That happens. Um, kissing, you know, that that type of thing happens. So I'm like, okay, cool. Move on. To she says later that month. Uh, while training Antonio Brown, he positioned himself behind her and masturbated until he ejaculated on her back. So right then I'm like, "This is life." Like yo, hold up. So you mean to tell me, okay? So the first time you with this dude, he, he pulls his penis out and kisses you, and you're like, "Oh man, this is this is very uncomfortable." So wait, hold on, hold on. That's not even what I thought she was like. Hold on, let me continue. Let me continue. I got ahead of myself. Let me continue. So she says she doesn't stop training him. She stops training him. She doesn't train him for, I don't know, like eight months, seven, eight months or something like that. And he hits her up and he sweet talks her to training him. And then that's when he rapes her and holds her down. That's when I said. She's lying. She's lying. Come on, man. And then when you couple that with the fact that. She's suing for money. So I'm gonna put I'll put this all together. So ladies, correct me if I'm wrong. Please, please correct me if I'm wrong. If a dude puts a woman in a in a in a very uncomfortable, genuinely uncomfortable situation, how, ladies, is there a repeat situation? Even if you're tra- even if you're your personal trainer, you're telling me you're with a guy and he pulls his penis out when he's training you and he kisses you, and you're like, yo, I do not like that. I did not want that. So then, okay, maybe you're training him. I get that. Maybe the first time you you have to tell Antonio, hey, Antonio, this is a professional thing, man. What are you doing? I'm not into you like that. Yes, you're an attractive dude, but I'm not into you like that. Okay, so then you come back the second time. I can get with that. So by the time, so 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 my questions then become, how does he position himself behind you to the point where he can masturbate enough to ejaculate and you Aren't aware that this is happening to where you can be like, yo, man, what are you doing? And move yourself from out of the way. That's my, that's that, that's when my, my, 
like bells start going off in my mind. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. And this, the, the description of how he got behind her was very vague. It was like, he just wild positioned. What do you mean wild positioned behind her? I don't know what personal trainer y'all been to, but the personal trainer I've used, there's never been a time when he or she's been positioned behind me. Or, or why I could be positioned behind them. I don't know. Even if they're showing you exercises, I don't know how that happens. And then to the point where he can pleasure him, he can arouse himself to the point of climax and get all over your back. And you just just didn't know that that was happening? Like, come on, y'all. Come on, y'all. So then, okay, let's say that's true. Let's say that that is true. Let's say that that's true. You come back? Again? What sweet talking and charisma charisma can get you back through them doors? You want me to believe that this man ejaculated on her back and she came back because she thought he was learned his lesson? She thought that he would come on, y'all. Come on, y'all. And then that's when he raped her. Yo man. Yo man. Bitch is lying. Straight up. Straight up. She's lying. And she's suing. Because she's trying to get the bag. Antonio Brown was probably hitting her off. You know what I mean? And, you know, stuff got complicated. She probably, you know, who knows what she wanted from him. But things got complicated to the point where, and he probably made some people in power very mad at the Raiders or the Steelers or the NFL front office or anybody. He probably made somebody mad to where they would do this. This is how white power works. It is not a coincidence that this rape charge and these allegations are in the news right now. Come on, y'all. Now they're saying they're going to put him on the NFL exempt list. So for those that don't know, for those that don't know what the NFL exempt list, Antonio Brown cannot be able to play and he won't get paid. Come on, y'all. Come on. Come on. Go read the article yourself. That's exactly what it says. It says that he positioned himself behind her. And y'all have to make me make sense. Y'all have to add context to how he positioned himself behind you and was allowed to. Like I said, sexually pleasure himself to the point of climax, and you didn't even you didn't even realize, like, yo, what are you doing, dude? Come on, y'all. Come on. Come on. Come on. Alright, so at this time, yeah, yeah. So so hold up. Think about that. Just think about that. And you know what I mean? And ladies, I know that that's a very uncomfortable stance for me to take, and that's a very defiant stance for me to take. And if you disagree with it, like I said, the number is 850-270-8269. And with that being said, we're going to get into the voicemail section of the show. Uh, I received two voicemails this week, so we're going to play those here. Uh, some of the listeners that have some questions about uh, some of the things that have been happening. Uh, the first voicemail comes from uh, Brian in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, and it's about Antonio Brown. Yeah, this is uh, Brian, and I got some questions about Antonio Brown. What do you think about him acting the way he acted and, you know, him being um, a black athlete, the kind of example he sets for the other young black athletes that it's okay to, uh, you know, act unprofessional and, you know, the uh, attention. And I feel like, you know, as a young black man myself, it's really, it's it's really rough, like, you know, to kind of defend him, you know? So... I just want to get your uh, take on that and, um, you know, just the whole situation with the Raiders and the confrontation and now he's on the Patriots and how that's going to work out with Bill Belichick and crew. All right. So uh, the first thing, his first part, his question was about Antonio Brown. What do I think about Antonio Brown and his antics? I mean, I think that uh, 
you know, there's something about Antonio Brown's uh, behavior that has been rewarded at some point in his career. And I don't look and I don't think we should look at professional athletes as role models. I think that's uh, where we go wrong in society, trying to place the responsibility of role model on somebody and say that they're supposed to be example for other black athletes. Listen, man, every black black people are not a monolith. We do what we want to do. We're individuals. Um, he handles he handles himself differently from you know Dak Prescott or Russell Wilson based on you know a lot of different factors, and so to try to put him in that space where we got to act like something's expected of him or any other black athlete, like you know I learned that with with the Cam Newton situation. Cam Newton was my boy, and he kind of took a hit a couple years ago because he started trying to talk about race and pol- political issues, and he you could tell he wasn't very well educated on it, and he was saying a lot of stupid stuff. And I learned then like you can't, and not even just then, I learned like time and time again that everybody doesn't take that same responsibility to be an example, to be a role model, to be. Uh, you know, something that somebody that people look up to. And for all we know, Antonio Brown thinks that he's somebody that we all should look up to and kids should look up to. You know what I mean? Because according to him and the things that he's been going through with the Raiders, he's misunderstood. John Gruden's on record saying that he's misunderstood. So, you know, we should, to answer your question, we, we shouldn't, to answer the question, we shouldn't uh, be looking, even as black people, for other, you know, famous black people or black people to be those examples without them First saying like this is what I want to do And then even with even with that Even when they say like I want to be a role model for kids Take it with a grain of salt because Everybody has their own definition of How you should live your life So you know Antonio Brown's no different How's going to work with the Patriots Well I don't even know if he's going to be able to play Because this rape charge is coming out And uh, while I don't believe it's true The NFL is taking it very seriously And so he's going to have to Answer for that at the end of the day, somehow, some way, it's a civil suit. So, I mean, he shouldn't be on the exempt list. But you know how, you know, I'm white and I say so. So they could just put it up. They could just put him on the exempt list, even though, you know, she's not filing any criminal charges. Even though, actually, I take that back. There's a DA that said they're going to look into it, try to file criminal charges. So, you know, definitely, you know, Antonio Brown is in uh, somebody's crosshairs at this moment. And he just need to take a chill pill and take it easy for a while. And uh, with the Patriots, if he's allowed to play, I mean, I think it'll work fine. I think they'll have great success. I mean, they have great success with everybody that they add to their team if they adapt to the team. And I don't see why you wouldn't. You know, the Raiders and John Gruden and Derek Carr, I wouldn't want to play for Derek Carr either. And with Big Ben did did and said and was allowed to do and say and Kevin Colbert backing it up saying that Big Ben has 52 kids under him and people need to fall in line. I, I feel Antonio Brown to a certain degree. On to why he uh, wanted out of Pittsburgh and possibly why he wanted out of Oakland if, you know, they were going to void his contract and if, you know, some things were agreed to as far as his missing practices or some things were thought to be understood and now they're trying to void his contract. I can understand those, that perspective of wanting to get out of those spaces to a space like New England where they're very, uh, from what I can gather, they're very direct about what they expect from you and things like that. So I think it'll work out if he's allowed to play. I don't anticipate that he will be allowed to play though uh, And if he is, you know, good for y'all in fantasy So the second voicemail comes from Jazz out in San Antonio And I think it's about uh, USA Basketball What's up, Demo Tape Podcast, man I just got a question for you I want to know what you think about Team USA losing to France today And getting eliminated from World Cup contention they are still they they did they did still qualify, 
for the 2020 Olympics in Tokyo. So what do you think about, what are your thoughts about getting eliminated from the World Cup but still qualifying for the uh, Olympics? And do you think more of the stars are going to come out and play in the Olympics or do you think it's going to be more of the same? Let me know what you think, bro. All right, so, yeah. <sighs> Losing to France, to me, anytime the USA doesn't win a gold medal or a World Cup in basketball, I personally think, like, the sky is falling because we are the standard for basketball. We have the best league in the world right now. Like, everybody from other countries, his goal is to play in our league, not play in their league. They want to play in our league. So if our players who come from our country and are playing the best league in the world can't beat one or two guys like Rudy Gobert is a defensive player to your Nicholas Batum, like, come on, man. If we can't beat teams like France and Australia and Greece, and we know we beat Greece. But my point is, if, we, if we're struggling with teams like France and Australia, and I forgot who else we beat um, in an overtime game. It was like one point win in overtime. I think that was Australia. I think that's a problem. Now, yeah, did we send our A-level players? No, but to me, that still doesn't matter because the the B-level or C-level guys are still NBA players. Like, and they're young guys too. Well, not Kimball Walker. But the point remains the same. Like, there's no excuse for that at all. I don't care if Giannis is the MVP. I don't care if Rudy Gobert and Giannis plays for Greece. I understand that. I don't care if Rudy Gobert's defensive player of the year. I don't care if Nicholas Batum has had some good years on a B-grade team or C-grade team in Portland in the West, and now he's in Charlotte making a lot of money doing nothing. Like, we should not, as the United States, as a nation, be losing to other countries in basketball. We are the United States. Am I happy that we qualified for the Olympics? Yes. I hope the Olympics is enough of a, of, of, there's enough value in the Olympics brand that players still want to play because that's all what it's about today. The FIBA World Cup isn't branded to the point where it's like, you got to have one of these. I think it's still competitive world basketball. And like I said, if Giannis shows up, I think our best should show up. But they don't feel that way. Do I think that they're going to play? Well, I sure hope so. I sure hope they play. Because if not, it's going to be more of this. Because Australia's going to send their team. Greece is going to send their team. France is going to send their team. Lithuania's got players. Like Croatia, I think, has got good players. Slovenia or one of them, you know, so all these countries are going to send their best team. And if we're not fielding our best team, we're going to lose. We're going to lose. So, yeah, man. So that, that, that sums it up for the voicemail section. Thank you for to Brian, my boy Brian and Jazz for calling in, asking me those questions. Uh, keep in mind that the number is 850-270-8269 if you want to call or leave a, vo- t- leave a voicemail or leave a text. Remember, it doesn't always have to be questions that you ask me. You could just leave your own comments, your own uh, thoughts on the different things that happen in the sports or politics or things like that um, that's going out in the world. Uh, and like I said, you can always just text the show uh, if you have a question for me as well. Before I get out of here, I want to say I haven't been watching the CNN Debates, and I want to make sure that I watch the one that's tomorrow because I know that they're shoveling a bunch of BS at us, and I want to break that down. So, if you guys, I'm putting it out there right now. If you, anybody out there, any of you listeners, watch the CNN debate, make sure that you either text or call the show because I want to, if I, just in the event that I don't get a chance to watch it, I want to know what was talked about on it so that I can accurately comment on it. So, please, y'all, I'm reaching out to you on this one. So, I think that's it for the show. I, I want to thank everybody for listening. Um, I appreciate all the support Like I said the voicemail line is open So let's make sure we get that popping I'm going to be releasing the show every Thursday So you can expect this show on your, on your feed Every Thursday 
And like I said, it's on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio. If you'd rather watch the show than listen to the audio, uh, I'm on YouTube as well. Um, the show, I want the show to feel like, I want you guys to feel like this show is your show as well. So please take participation in it. Get your equity in the show. Connect with me. I want to connect with you. Um, until next week, y'all. Peace.